Welcome to the Camera Shake Podcast, episode 111, the podcast where we talk about photography, videography, and anything else got anything to do with any of that with me, Kirsten Lutz, and Nick Kirby's back. He's back in the house. Shabang. <laughs> Shabang. <laughs> so today we'll be talking about the death of photography. But before we get there, it's good to have you back, Nick. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yes. Yeah, thank, thank. Good to be here. Unfortunately, our schedules just could not match, um, yeah. which is fine. It, it's the first time uh, it's not really been possible. Or well, we've had a couple of weeks where we've had to skip, where yeah. uh, we've both not been able to make it due to schedules. And yeah. we figured, why not? Just still go ahead. You were free. Yeah, one week. One week where I was stuck in Wales <laughs> with no oh, yeah. with no internet. We even yeah. managed to do an episode with both of us being in different countries. You know, but Wales seemed to be impossible. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Nothing's possible in Wales. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> so, yeah, that was yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm back and uh, yeah, raring to go. Awesome. Well, actually, I'm going to come back to something um, uh, that relates to last week's episode because we've had a comment. So in last week's episode, um, we talked about uh, whether hobby photographers should charge for their photography. Um, mm -hmm. Or not, you know, or whether there are circumstances where maybe you wouldn't charge, you know, and so on and so forth. So that was the that was the discussion last week, and we had um we had a really interesting um, comment from Rustin Powell on uh, on the YouTube version on the YouTube video, um, and I'm just going to read to you because it's actually it's an interesting point. We can take this um, apart a little bit. So he says, as an, as a hobbyist, I can't afford to charge. Should I begin to work as a commercial photographer, no matter how much money I actually bring in, my insurance, gear, liability, indemnity, etc., um, would skyrocket. I would need to register with the government and pay the associated taxes. My personal assets would then be at risk. And as I create incurring more costs, um, a, separate, a separate legal entity, and on and on. And once I charge on commercial, that isn't the middle ground legally. Um, I only mm. have limited photography time as it is now. So I would prefer to enjoy the moments I get instead of worrying about covering overhead and the other legal requirements. Um, and he's based in the US. So actually, I thought it was a really good comment um, because that's a valid point. And, yep. you know, I'll be honest, I don't necessarily know the, the ins and outs of setting up a business, per se, um, in the United States, um, as, as it were. You know, in the UK, it's a lot easier, really, because it's really easy and, and actually free of charge to register, for example, as a sole yep. trader. Um, and in fact, you know, in, in the UK... Um, the first 1,000 pounds that you make on the side, as it were, are actually tax-free. It's called, it's, it's regarded as a micro-business. You know, it's a little bit like, you know, let's say, I don't know, you do a favor for somebody and they, you know, pay you a little bit of money as a, as a token of gratitude or something. There's, you know, there's no need to pay tax on that and, until you hit that 1,000 pound threshold, you know, for a side, for a side hustle. Um, and I don't know if that or similar um, rules exist in the United States. I have no idea. Mm. Um, but, you know, ultimately, you know, I think I, I can imagine that rules like that are different from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, from country to country. Definitely. You know, and ultimately, I think, you know, obviously, whether you charge for your photography or not, it really depends on where you live and what the rules are where you live. You know, I think the point I was trying to make was, was that... Um, I think there's a justification 
that you could you know expect to get paid if you provide your skill and your services for somebody else who might potentially actually monetize on that in the future i think the example that i gave was for instance you know if you you do a band photo shoot and um, right. you know you create imagery for a band and the band goes and you know they take that imagery and they use that to promote themselves and to land gigs for example and then of course they get you know get paid uh, from those gigs so it's sort of you know it kind of means that well you know in the end everybody else ends up making money except for you if you've given your your work away for free and so i think this yeah. you know this is there's sort of a there's a good reason in my mind anyway um as to why you should charge um for that but also you know charging for something doesn't necessarily mean getting paid in money that's another point i made i think towards the end of last last week's episode was that of course you know barter is a form of payment does does that client have a service they can provide you in exchange? Quite, you know? quite possible. Exactly. You know, um, and that's always something you know to consider. Of course, um, you know, my point with barter is always that you want to make sure that there's sort of an equivalence. You know, you get to think yeah. like, well, you know, how much is what I'm providing? How much is it actually worth? And you know, what's like, what is the value of that? And so, what I'm saying is, you don't want to, you know, exchange something that would in your mind be worth like let's say a thousand pounds you don't want to like barter that for something that's worth 10 quid so there's going to be some degree of approximate um you know equilibrium there if you know what i mean yeah so, and you've got you need to judge when when that right time to start charging is full stop you know your skills yeah. may not yet be of a standard where you can it's fair to charge someone um to a certain extent and that you need to practice and learn yeah you know the ins and outs of what you're doing but the sooner you can you feel confident enough say i'm producing some good work that's probably the time to start, start charging right there uh, yeah and i think you know if you start when you start thinking about charging for services then that's probably a good indication that it might be the right time and you know you don't have obviously yeah. you don't want to go in at the top of the market you know um there are many aspects that play into how you no. price yourself. but And it, it might be that you just start by charging expenses, you know, what it's cost for you to get there, what it's mm. cost to hire anything that you may need to hire, what, yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, you know, that's a good start. You know, that's where you're helping yourself build your portfolio effectively. Exactly. And also, you know, you can remember that, uh, you know, you're not, and you're not, in a position where, where you effectively end up paying somebody else, you know, because that's, if you don't, if you create work for somebody else who then uses that commercially or to their own benefit, you effectively, actually, you're paying that person because you've already invested into your gear and your equipment and your time, you know, um, over over years and whatever else, you put the petrol that it takes to get there, maybe you have to pay parking, whatever it is, but you've certainly put some investment into it, which actually effectively means you're really paying the other the other party at that point. Um, so, mm. you know, again, from my personal opinion is is that it's it's fair to seek some kind of compensation when you're creating work that somebody else benefits from with, you know, under the proviso that it isn't something where you decide that this is something that you want to give away for free. Because we all do that. There are good causes and good reasons as to why you Absolutely. want to do something for free. Absolutely. Um, you know, I do free work all the time still. You know, yeah. there's always something going on that I'm doing for free. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I gave an example last last week. Um, you know, I did some uh, some work for uh, some friends of mine who really you know were in need of of improving their imagery um, on their website because they started a new business and they didn't have any money and um, they um, had a really bad experience with another photographer. Um, and so I thought I could help them out and sort of you know make make them a little bit happier. <laughs> and uh, I think mm -hmm. I succeeded. You know, that's good. That's good. I mean, that's all because ultimately what that leads to is you know, recommendations on the back of that and so on and so forth. You know, it's always a good thing to do, um, to do something for free for people if you feel, or it might be a good cause if, you know, if you have a, you know, a charity that you support or you, there's certain, you know, a certain cause that you support or something, then yeah, absolutely. Why not? Yeah. You know, I'm not, not saying, I didn't say you have to charge for everything, obviously, but you know, yeah, generally speaking. Anyway, so yeah, that was just, um, that was just on a comment um, from, from last week. So thank you very much, Russell, for leaving that comment. This uh, was a really, uh, really, really great um, point of view. And yeah. um, that's what we always invite our listeners to uh, to do is to get back to us and actually, you know, um, get involved in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a follow-on kind of thought, comment, query, if you like. Mm -hmm. So let me see what you think about this situation. So a couple of years back, I did a um, sort of uh, an event video for a small, very small business at the time. And, you know, it was just uh, an event they were putting on and they just wanted it effectively documented into a, a one to two minute short video. Okay. And that they could use as promotional. That would be um, pr promotional to, you know, their followers of what happened on that day. And then that's content that they can then use again to promote the following years if they wanted to. Okay, fine. I did that for for free. Uh, I did it for costs, travel, you know, and that's that's it, which was next to nothing, mm. you know. But I did the actual work for free. And so um, I, because it was, there are reasons for it. Partly it was, it was helping me out with that type of event that I hadn't had previously. Mm -hmm. um, it was helping uh, a friend of a friend out as well. And there are all these little, I like them. I like their business, all of that kind of stuff. It all kind of, and they, they, they would go ahead and promote me and make sure that I was associated with it and all of that kind of good stuff that you'd expect. Anyway, so that was that. They wanted to do this, a similar event this year. Uh, this, in fact, in the next week or so, funnily yeah. enough. And they called me and asked if I was free and be available. I said, uh, let me check my diary and I'll, I'll get back to you. And uh, sure enough, within you know the following day, I checked it all and said, actually, I, yeah, I could make it work. However, it will involve um, moving some other work around. Um, in fact, cancelling some of it as well. Um, you know, and while, and I said, I said, while I did not charge, um, for, for my time and the work that I was doing last time, I, I, I cannot do that this time. I need to, I need to charge. Mm -hmm. However, I am very willing on this occasion to do it at rock bottom. And it, it was effective, effectively what I said was about a third of what it should have cost. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So super low still. And they weren't willing to pay anything. Right. So I said, I'm sorry. I, I I want to do this for you. I want to work with you. I can move this stuff around to make it work, but I, I I'm sorry, I just can't I can't go any lower than that 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 price. And so they, they passed on it, which is fine. That's mm. their prerogative. 
But I just was interested to know your thoughts on, you know, that situation and perhaps what you might have done, if anything different. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you know, in a situation like this, I think it's always, it's, it's always interesting to find out what the barrier to payment is, you know, whether it's budget mm -hmm. or no budget or whatever, you know, and it also depends on what kind of event it is, you know, I mean, I gave this example last, um, last in last week's episode, um, from, because you, you and I, you know, you know, this as a musician, it's as a musician, you're always the last person to get paid because everybody else <laughs> gets paid before you, you know, and that's, that starts from, you know, it starts from the people that sell the tickets charge a fee for the ticket sales, right? Because you always pay a certain percentage on top right? You know, it's always like whatever it is, like, let's say for the sake of simplicity, it's 10 pounds for the ticket plus, I don't know, 2.5% for the actual transaction, right? Mm -hmm. Then the credit card company charges, charges the transaction fee on top of that. So the credit card company earns money based on that transaction. Then the venue earns money because the venue hire themselves out to, let's say, the promoter who hires the venue. So the, the venue already gets paid. Um, then the promoter charges a particular, you know, like a, a percentage on, on the ticket sales. So the promoter gets paid and everybody involved gets paid. You know, the people behind the bar gets, get paid. The security um, staff get paid. The sound engineer gets paid. The, the lighting guys get paid. Everybody gets paid. And only if there's anything, the lady selling the tickets at the booth gets paid. The cleaners that clean the venue get paid. Everybody gets paid, except for the, the band or the musician who puts on the entertainment. Because if there's nothing left in the kitty, or even if, you know, the event made, you know, um, didn't make a profit, made a loss then you're the one who doesn't get paid. And it's sort of, it's odd because you're providing the entertainment. I mean, you're the reason yeah. why people come, you know? You're, you're the reason that event exists. Exactly. And <laughs> and yet you are weirdly, you know, as musicians, you know, over, over the last, I don't know, 100 years or whatever, you know, we've, we've allowed ourselves to be put into this position where we're really at the very, very bottom of the food chain. And it's all, mm. you know, all comes down to this like, oh, you know, because you got to do it for the love of it, you know, because it's a creative art. So therefore you have to love it. And just because you love what you do for some reason, you don't really have, um, you know, you have no reason to, to insist on getting paid. So for some reason in, you know, in the minds of, of a lot of people, this, this seems to be a disconnect between loving what you do and getting paid. So, you know, yeah. by inference, then it means, you know, you can only get paid for a job that you hate. Which yeah. of course is ridiculous, you know. Um, and I mean, photography really, in many ways, is is not too dissimilar from that. Um, and so, you know, the, the one thing to to look at, I think, with any situation like that, an event like that, is is to see, like, okay, well, who else is actually getting paid? You know, are there, for instance, are there stylists there? You know, are there models at this event they're getting paid? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, whatever. You know, it might be there might be an AV crew, like you know doing the sound or whatever, you know, or projections or whatever, you know, they might get paid. Um, you know, the waiters or waitresses get paid, you know, and, and so or whatever happens at this, at this particular, the, you know, if there's food involved, then there must be some kind of catering, a chef or whatever, you know, people in the kitchen, they get paid. So the question, the valid question then is like, why should you be the only person who doesn't get paid if you're creating content that will help them promote next year's event? Yeah. 
Yeah. This is and this and this is this is this is my argument. And so I was willing because I still like them. I like their business. I like what they're trying to do, the way they operate, and how they've grown. I've I love it. I've, I'm all for it. Um, but this is content that's going to make them money, yeah, ultimately, well, yeah. right? Mm. You know, and get them more business through the door. Hope hopefully, right? And so my expectation as a small business owner with those kind of businesses is that in your first few years, you need to expect to be making losses all the way. Mm-hmm. You know, you should not be expect to be in profit for those type of businesses. And if you're running these events to drum up business through other things that you do, all that, all of those kind of bits, then you need to expect that that event is going to run at the very minimum break even. You should not be doing those events to make yourself money. You're doing those events to promote yourself, promote your business. And my cost and my time, I've, I've put a lot of years into learning what I do and, you know, and the gear, God, let alone the gear. Yeah. And that has to come back somewhere. And, yeah. you know, this is you know, not you know it wasn't another situation where i was willing to do it for free because there's no value in me doing it for free one exactly and so value is actually that's sort of the point because you know you mentioned earlier like at the beginning um you mentioned that last year you did it because it was it worked for you as a portfolio piece you know because you didn't have Mm -hmm. um a similar event you know shoot in your portfolio and therefore you thought well this is a good idea this can work for me i get value out of this myself i was i was free that day yeah I didn't have to be anywhere. I was, exactly. it was a weekday as well. So why not? Why not? Exactly. Why and not? so, and so that's really, in a sense, you know, that's a bothering situation. You get, everybody gets something out of it. They get a video, mm. you know, you get something for your portfolio, which potentially can make you more money further down the yep. road because it helps you to promote yourself. I mean, that's, that's all fine. It's like once, you know, once your portfolio is where it should be though, then of course you don't really have a reason to do, to do the same thing again. And so at yeah. that point, you know, but I think, I think the thing to remember for, for anybody um, is that it's just simply that there are clients for you and then there are clients that are just not your clients. Yeah. You know. Um, Absolutely. That's the thing. It's, you know, you can always, you know, pricing is a, pricing is never a fixed thing. I think that's one of the sort of misconceptions that maybe people have at the beginning. I'm, mm. I'm pretty sure anybody who's like run a business for you know, for any length of time realizes that pricing is very malleable, you know, um, it's never, you know, you have, you have your set fees, but they're really just a starting point to negotiate. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's usually, I think that's what people don't realize. And and that's the thing, right? It is a negotiation. It's like, okay. And you, you started touching on it earlier around, you know, if you're saying, you know, if you would ordinarily want to charge 1500 quid for whatever it is, you You've got two ways of looking at that then. If that's just too too high for them, you can either look at just reducing the cost. That's one way. Yeah. The other way that you can do it is adding additional value for them yeah. that isn't necessarily going to break your back to add that on. And in reality, might be stuff you would provide normally anyway. <laughs> might maybe, like yeah. additional prints or different additional edits or additional whatever the project is, yeah. um, a, a separate you know, 10 second version of that video as well that you can put on Instagram or whatever it might be. Yeah. And you can get, give them that value and say, still 1500, but I tell you what, I'll do this cool. and this You're as just well frozen. <laughs> I don't know if you can see, but you're frozen. Have I frozen? Yeah. 
You're still frozen. Oh, no, you're back. Well, my video is, uh, uh, it says you're, I don't know. Oh. One of our internet connections is unstable. Oh, right. well, right. anyway, yeah. that's staying in. I'm not cutting that. Because <laughs> obviously Frozen. we're watching each other, looking at each other on Zoom right now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Um, anyway, what so, were you saying? Yeah, I mean, so you can add value or you can, of course, cut value. That's the other thing as well. You know, for instance, uh, you know, I had, I had a case um, only, only the mm. other day where, you know, um, somebody who I actually know quite well, you know, called me up and um, asked me to to shoot an event. Um, and then, you know, I, I gave them what I thought was a, was a really good quote, um, but it was still too high. And, um, and, you know, and I kind of thought, well, okay, I can't really, you know, if I lower my price, I'm going to have to take something out of it. And very often yeah. with an, with an event, it's, it could be time, you know, quite easily. Like if the event would normally be like, let's say, for example, it's like a four hour shoot, maybe you're just there for two hours, you know, maybe just there for an hour and a half, um, you know, and you deliver considerably fewer images. That way, you don't have to basically lose the the business as such, but you can basically shape it into something where both of both parties are happy. You know, they're they're happy to pay you a certain amount. You're happy to work for that, but you're just not going to do the the full shebang. You can actually just do, you know, wh- whatever fits that budget basically. So mm-hmm. that's what I mean. You know, there's always sort of a bit of um, a bit of negotiation um, that's going on. The other thing, of course, is you know sometimes. I think sometimes when you have an opportunity, you know, to to um, to do a shoot, and you you realize that um, price is the sticking point, you know, um, I think there is, you know, a valuable argument in like in basically thinking, well, okay, you know, I could do this shoot. Let's say for argument's sake, for a thousand pounds, okay, or I could do it for seven fifty, if that's all they want to pay and you just get to think well okay if i say no i'm not going to earn anything that day absolutely yeah. um if i say yes i'm at least going to earn 750 you know yeah. <laughs> and again you then you know you sort of uh, you know you shape the project so that it yeah. makes more sense you know and i think people are open to that conversation very often you know so rather than just saying no you can kind of go okay well what can we do to actually come closer to where we're both happy with it you know, again, the event yeah. example, you know, if I, if I come around and shoot for an hour and a half, you know, um, or in, in this particular case, I didn't actually do a full edit on, on, on the images, you know, I, they were really just color corrected and that's pretty much it cropped a little bit. That was pretty much it. So, yeah. it was, so I didn't actually spend a lot of time in post-production for those. So typically, you know, for an event like that, I would have spent a lot more time, um, mm. yeah. working on the images afterwards, but I didn't because that's basically what they got, you know, for, for that. Amount. Yeah, and and you know, yeah. the truth is they were absolutely thrilled with the images. It, but you know, it was super fun to be there. In fact, I didn't actually want to leave because it was so much fun. <laughs> you know, um, uh, but everybody was happy. I was happy. You know, I was happy with um, with how it went. Um, you know, and um, and the client was happy. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Great. You know, super cool because uh, that if anything else, you know, it gets you another really good Google review or something like that. And that that helps. Yeah. In fact, you know, I had a call today. Um, and this is the value of Google reviews, of course, you know. Um, it, I, had a, I had a call today from somebody who um, wanted to book headshots for their son, um, acting headshots for an agency. And um, they called me based on the Google reviews. So they basically saw reviews on, on Google and on Facebook or something, wherever. Um, and it, based on that, 
the cold. So it's really worth sometimes, you know, doing something, even if a pump, you know, even if you don't get the full fee, at least if you can get, you know, because I think people are, if you cut somebody a deal, they're going to be much more willing um, to give you a really good Google review in return, because that's value. Yeah. That really is value. Yeah. It does a lot of things um, other than just, you know, massaging your ego and, and building your reputation, but it also pushes you up into Google searches. So that's mm -hmm. that's the thing to remember, you know. So um, so you want to kind of go for the Google reviews always. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. Many ways. All, and, and, and this is why it's so important to ask those clients and have an open conversation with them with, you know, uh, one mind kind of always thinking about, well, what can I add for them if I need to? Yeah. What can I cut if I need to? What, how much am I, what is the rock bottom I could push this to if I absolutely still want to do this job? Yeah. And that then treads that line of, well, either I earn 750 or I earn nothing. If that value's gone down to like 400 quid, you don't think, okay, I'd rather not earn the 400 yeah. quid. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes, Obviously, it completely depends project to project. Yes, exactly. Course, and but. sometimes it, it gets to this, it, it, sometimes it just because it gets so stupid that you just have to walk away. Yeah. Uh, that you just have to be prepared to walk away sometimes, you know. Absolutely. And there, there, there are other things to consider here as well is, and this is where it comes to whether they, you're, they should, they're a client for you or not. From painful experience over various things as the years have gone by, mm. mostly around my musician work, actually, to be fair, but the principles are still the same, <laughs> is mm. what you find is that those people who want everything for nothing, effectively, often, not always, often are a nightmare to deal with <laughs> yeah, as the project either. progresses, yeah, okay? True. They just are. They're very difficult and, mm. and there'll be various reasons for it and there'll be various ways in which they might be difficult. It could be through, a f they want 20 revisions. It's not gonna happen. Mm. but they'll pressure you into doing it. Yep. Um, or it might be on the day of the event or whatever type of project it is that they'll, oh, can you just do this? Can you just be there as well? Can you do blah, 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 blah? And, or just speak to you like you're, you know, nothing. Yeah. And that, none of that, you, n they're not your client. They should be nobody's client, those people. <laughs> yeah. But it, that's why it's so important to try and gauge this stuff in the very early early, early parts of your phone call with them or email and try and work out whether they're going to be your client. And you always have to assume that they are going to be, first of all, yeah. um, to be able to op have that open dialogue. But you'll know quite quickly, hopefully, with some experience, whether they are or not. And if they are, then they're the ones that you want to be flexible with. They're the ones that you want to yeah. do the things that we've just been talking about. If you're quite clear that, you know what? In with regards to my time and my stress level and the price that I'm going to have to do this for to get this job, it is not worth it. Walk well, away and yeah. say, no, and, I'm uh, sorry. Exactly. And, and, you know, the thing is like, you can turn something like that um, around into something positive, by the way. You know, it doesn't necessarily always have to be a negative conversation, you know, because, um, you know, like I mentioned last week, you know, there's, there's somebody uh, fairly local 
to me um, who charges 60 pounds uh, for a headshot. Well, which ex- is, exactly. You know, yeah. and the thing is, if somebody, you know, I occasionally have these kind of requests. And, you know, when I realize this really isn't going to work out, you know, um, this isn't going to happen between the two of us, this is not, you know, um, I'm very happy to help. You know, if, if they are looking for that kind of work, if that's really all they need, um, that's fine. I gladly pass them on to somebody else. Absolutely no yeah. problem, you know. Um, and I help them. I give them a number and, you know. I usually say, look, you know, I know somebody, um, I, I really, you know, I'm afraid I won't be able to do that, but I know somebody who can help you and I give you the number and, you know, it's fine. Because we all work slightly differently. We, I think, you know, we all work yeah. um, with different types of clients potentially. And, you know, um, that's absolutely, that's that's fair, you know. And we all charge at a certain level where there are going to be people who won't be able to afford your services. And then there will be people at the same token who will look at you and go like, well, that's too cheap. Because, you know, you know, the sort of opposite ad- ad- attitude is you look at the price and you kind of go like, why should I buy this? This car costs 6,000 pounds, let's say, right? But there are other cars that cost 35,000 pounds. So in your mind, the car that costs 35,000 pounds is immediately going to be better than the car that costs 6,000 pounds. And that's, you haven't seen the car yet, but you automatically, you automatically make that assumption just based on price. And so, you know, the same thing is true. And by the way, that may or may not be true. You don't know at this point because you haven't seen the car yet, but you just automatically make that assumption because that's your experience tells you that's usually how it is in life. You know, you get what you pay for. Um, and the same thing is true, of course, with services, you know, if, if uh, I charge a certain amount, you know, for for headshots, let's say, and somebody else charges three times that, then you automatically assume that that must be that person must be better for some reason, right? Um, and th- I think that's a fair assumption to make, you know. But the person that goes, you know, the person that that pays three times the price, um, that clearly won't be my client because they won't want to engage with me because they think that they're not looking for my service because I may be too cheap. Yet the person who's looking for a 60 pound headshot won't talk to me either because they think I'm way out of their, out of their mm-hmm. price range, you know? And, and that's maybe they don't want a lot of time. They don't want different backgrounds and they don't want different, um, very, you know, different options and, and, uh, variety and all that kind of stuff. Maybe they don't, they don't want any of that. Um, they just want to go in, have their basically, you know, passport photo taken and and go out and if that's all they need uh, awesome you know sometimes i go to the supermarket and i do, i buy the no frills brand because for some product or whatever because that's all i need that i don't need anything else why would i pay three times yeah. that yeah. if i don't need it and it's it's a fair it's a fair comment you know, it's a fair assumption so yeah um you know it's, it really is it's all about um finding the, the clients that are right for you um, i mean in the you know i talk about the headshot so genre a lot because that's what I do a lot. Um, you know, you have actors and you've got business people, broadly speaking, who need who need headshots. You know, actors typically don't have a lot of money, and and business people tend to have more money. And so, these two worlds don't necessarily gel together very well all the time. You know, when you're when you're thinking about how you position yourself price wise, because what you would ordinarily charge you know, for business headshots or for corporate headshots that may be way out of the price league uh, for somebody who's a budding actor, mm. you know. <laughs> Yet um, having a headshot, having a good headshot is actually vital for the budding actor because that's what potentially gets them the auditions, you know. And so yeah. Yeah. 
you know, and there are ways that you can modify your own pricing to, you know, to kind of account for that. Maybe you can give discounts for acting students, for example. This is a very common mm -hmm. one, actually, you know, where you knock some money off for, you know, for students um, and stuff like that. So, you know, I mean, there's many, many ways that you can, that you can adjust your, and whether you do that, you know, officially on your website, for instance, or, or not, that's another thing, of course, always, you know, when it comes to pricing, I and mean, we could do a whole episode just about pricing, but, you know, sh shall you, or should you, um, should you tell people what you charge on your website or not? There are valid arguments for both of those scenarios, um, and you just have to decide how you want to work, you know? Some people think, well, if I, if I put my prices on the website, it basically, you know, it uh, makes people move on because they maybe, maybe they think I'm too expensive. But, uh, you know, and then the other thing is, the other way of thinking is, well, if I put my price on the website, then at least people know where they're at. And if I'm not, if I'm out of their price range, then they won't even call me, which is fine. Because actually, then I don't even have to call, uh, deal with these kind of calls. You know, from yeah. uh, that's that's how my thinking personally is. Really my personal opinion is that I'd rather put my prices on the website, um, or at least I have a basic sort of structure on my website, um, and then people know ballpark, you know, where that's at. And if somebody is happy to have a conversation, then great, awesome, and they call yeah. or email me or yeah. whatever. And if not, then they are somebody else's clients, and awesome, great, <laughs> whatever, it's all good. So you know, that's the you know, that's the thing. Yeah. Anyway, it's a, you know, it's a, oh man, it's a massive, massive subject. I think there's so many, yeah, I mean, there's so much uh, content out there just generally, you know, in terms of pricing and you can find arguments and counter arguments for every type of pricing structure there is, you know, um, and there has ever been, and, you know, it's very difficult yeah. to, to give advice. It's, it's really a thing that's partly, down to what you're comfortable with and partly also what works in the market that you're in. That's the other thing. That's remember, it. You know, so. That's why it's so important to, you know, even if you just take the actual price out of the, the equation for a second and just try and do I put them on the website? Do I put the prices on or, yeah. or not? Is, well, what the other people who do similar work to you in your immediate area, first of all, yeah. are they putting it on there? Are people in the wider area? What about across the whole of the UK? What are they doing? Are they doing putting it on there or not? Yeah, and you find like, probably if, that... if none of them if none of them are doing it. Yeah, it's. I think what's what's complicated. Uh, what, what complicates matters, especially when it comes to headshots, it's, it's probably like a 50-50 split. You know, you see some some photographers. Yeah, yeah. You know, what I find is is that uh, photographers who specialize in headshots, um, it will typically put their prices on. That's general. Mm. I mean, I'm generalizing, mm. but generally, yes, you find that. Um, and then there are. Um, photographers who are maybe a little bit, who have sort of a wider scope, they usually call themselves branding photographers. Yeah. Um, and often you, f you don't find the prices on there because then they, you know, they offer so many different things that it becomes too convoluted, you know, because the whole pricing structure becomes too complicated, you yeah. know? And okay. um, I have to say though, that I've sort of learned about myself that if I look at a website and I don't see the prices on it, I actually get put off. Yeah, that's just personally. That's what I found. Yeah, because um, I'm 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 kind of the same. Because I, I just I just want to know now, you know. Yeah. I'm smart enough to know whether 
that how much things should cost for a high quality of whatever it is I'm looking for. Yeah. And if I don't see it, it does annoy me because then I have to contact them. I have to wait to get a response or, yeah. and it's like, I just want to know now, you know, so I can plan and get it booked. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that's a, a, an interesting conversation I had with um, a friend of mine who runs a video production company actually. And um, we we're like, you know, we we're chatting about uh, pricing and stuff like that. And, and we're talking about basically it was based on a conversation um, about how things are going now, you know, now that things are coming back or that things that have come back after, you know, since COVID and everything else. Um, and it was an interesting thing that he said, he said, um, you know, it, he's getting more calls, more calls are coming in, more inquiries are coming in. And he's always surprised when, you know, people hear how much it's going to cost that they then go, Oh, I had no idea. It's that expensive, you know? And I think, you know, with something like with something like that, projects like that are very difficult to price in advance. I mean, you have to get a lot of detail out of the client well, before you can that, even... Yeah, it's different, isn't it? I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, this is like, I'm sure you've had those calls. Uh, you know, I've, I've had those calls before where like somebody goes like, oh, can you know, um, I've got this video project in mind, for instance, and then once you start putting stuff together and you kind of go, okay, it's going to be this much, they're like, well, I had no idea it's going to be that expensive. Uh, in fact, I actually had a... Um, I had a call like this only the other day. It was all about a shoot um, by the coast. Uh, it was a, I think it was a talk or something like that. Um, and, you know, it was, was going to be fair. I mean, a good, I don't know, probably a good two and a half hour drive, maybe three, three hour drive, something like that. Um, you know, and then a good few hours of shooting. And then of course, you can drive back at the editing, blah, blah, and this and that and the other. And so you're immediately looking at two days, I think two solid days, you know, for that kind of work. Um, and when, you know, when I quoted him a price um, that I thought was actually, like you said earlier, you know, rock bottom, like a really friendly price. I think he just, he just didn't expect to have to pay this much. It really wasn't much, <laughs> you know. Um, and, you know, once you then break it down and you go, you go well, you know, and the shoot itself is going to take best part of the day, you know, um, because you could get there, um, the travel costs and own costs and this and then the other, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, then the shoot itself. And then of course there's the editing, um, uh, post-production, blah, blah, and all that kind of stuff, you know, creating the deliverables and so on. Um, then, you know, you really, you notice very quickly that they hadn't really thought about the process. They just literally thought somebody walks up, with an iPhone, you know, films the whole yeah. thing and sends the file over right afterwards and that's it, you know. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't really work like this. And in a sense, you can't really, I mean, yeah, why, why should they know? You know, why would they know? Do you know what I mean? It's like they don't know this, uh, what, what goes into a process. But I think yeah. that's, as professionals, that's, that's our job is to basically break it down. And go, it, okay. Precisely. It's, it is on us to help them understand what's what's what, you yeah. know. It's absolutely on us. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then you've also got a question, well, do they really know what they want? Often they um, don't. Yeah, that's, and that, that's, and that's again, on us to help them understand what it is they actually want. And you, the end of your hour-long conversation, it might be not what you provide. <laughs> well, absolutely. That's okay. Yeah. But okay. guess what? You gave them good advice. You had a good conversation. Yeah. They now know you when they do want something that you want or know someone they do, guess yeah. who they're probably going to think of? Well, exactly. That's it. That's it. Anyway. Now, i tell you what, man. I've come across something that really freaked me out. 
severely. Which is, was it a was it a body part of yours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every, every day I look at the mirror, I'm freaked out. <laughs> um, which is actually, incidentally, is why this episode is entitled The Death of Photography. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> All right, so get this. Um, so there's a new form of AI, artificial intelligence, called DAL-E2, which is quite incredible, really. It basically turns a sentence into a photorealistic photograph. And so it can create original realistic images and art forms based on a text description. Uh, right. Okay. So for instance, you could say like, um, you know, I want a photo of an astronaut sitting on an orange contemplating his future in space. It'll come up with a photorealistic image of what you've just put in. I need to see examples of this. Oh, and well, I mean, we'll, we have some, we'll have some examples um, that will sort of float in, but uh, this this thing is is really was really freaking me out because the images are so incredibly good. I mean, this is not the only thing I can do. Um, it can basically, you know, it can um, it can create edits of, of existing photographs. So, for instance, you could you could input a photo and you could basically say, <coughs> you know, uh, take out. I don't know. Let's say, for instance, you have, I don't know, a picture of the sea with a boat on it or something. You can basically say, well, take out the boat. And it will take out the boat, but it will also deal with all the reflections of the boat and everything else that's got anything to do with that. Or you could, for instance, say, there's one one uh, example. There's a, a picture of the Im uh, of a river. And basically the thing was like, oh, put put in a baby elephant bathing. And it literally put in it literally put in a baby elephant, including all the reflections, and gave different variations of it, of different baby elephants bathing. When you look at that image, you kind of go, wow, that looks pretty damn real. And remember, you haven't given the AI an image of a baby elephant. You've just given it an image of a river. And it's basically... You can say, like, I'll take out this bird and, and replace it with a baby elephant bathing. And it'll just find an image of a baby elephant bathing and it'll put it in there. I mean, it's including all the reflections and shadows and all the rest of it. It's pretty So I could get nuts. Take a pic picture of, uh, I don't know, a shark eating a seal. Yes. All right. And say, replace the seal with. Okay. Pretty much. I mean, you could basically say, you know, you want to create a picture of a shark eating a, se uh, eating a seal on the moon in stormy conditions. Dressed in the American flag or something like that, whatever. And it would actually, it was literally create that for you. And, you know, and not only that, I mean, it's, it's like, it also can create variations of an image um, inspired by the original. So you could, for, for instance, for instance, you could say like, give him a picture of you and say like, uh, create an image of me in the style of Van Gogh. And I'll just do that. 
Or for instance, there's, there's a good example of, uh, you know, create an image of a Da Vinci drawing of the invention of the iPhone. And it will literally create an image that looks like it was drawn by Da Vinci of the invention of the iPhone. I mean, it's just mind blown completely. <laughs> you know, it's, it really is pretty incredible. Is it a company called Skynet that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, this? well, so the, the, so the thing is, <coughs> excuse me, um, so it's called Dell E2, and it has learned the relationship between images and the text used to describe them, okay? Um, and it uses a process called diffusion, which starts with a pattern of random dots and gradually alters that pattern towards an image... Um, that recognizes specific aspects of that image. So it's it's a really advanced form of artificial intelligence. And the interesting thing is, I mean, it's it's, uh, it's called DALL-E 2. It's actually the second version of DALL-E. And um, I saw some comparison images between DALL-E and DALL-E 2. And the difference really is remarkable. When you look at the original DALL, you know, the images that the original AI DALL-E uh, came up with, they were quite, I mean, they were still amazing. They were quite basic though. But when you look at this next generation thing, um, that's just a whole different thing, you know? Mm. Um, it, it really is, you know, pretty, pretty damn incredible. Um, there's a Twitter account that you can check out. It's at Del uh, at Deli2Picks. Um and we'll we'll put that in as well uh, somewhere. Mm, and it's definitely cool. fun, you find it in the in the description. <clears throat> and now the thing about this is is that you it's very it's actually it's very difficult to actually uh, work with this AI in in the sense that um, you can kind of almost like get in line to have your idea for photo created, uh, but it, it absolutely takes forever. So it's, it's really, you know, it still is technology. Weirdly, it's still technology in its infancy. And of course, like anything, you know, if you think about it, like just think of the first touchscreen phone, like the first iPhone, iPhone one, right? And think about how groundbreaking that seemed to be when it first came out, because everybody else had, had been using flip phones and, you know, Nokia bricks and whatever up to that point. And now all of a sudden, or like Blackberries with like keyboards and whatnot. And then, you know, Apple comes along and they, they create this, you know, this this iPhone thing with the touchscreen and, you know, apps and stuff like that. And you can do lots of different things on it. But if even if you just think in, when, was, when, when did the first iPhone come out? 2000, I can't remember, 2006, 2007, 2008, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So really it's not actually that long ago. It's like 14 years ago or something, mm. right? Now, if you think about it, I mean, if you if you held up an iPhone 1 against an iPhone 13, and all of a sudden the iPhone 13 is freaking LiDAR, radar shit going on in it, and face recognition, flipping, you know, all the crazy stuff that it can do in comparison to what the original, you know, and even with the original, people thought, like, oh, mind blown. I can't believe it. That's incredible. Just think about it. I, I remember a friend of mine at the time, he got one yeah. and he brought it into the pub and he was so proud of it. And I didn't really think much of it at the time. Oh, it was just a, just another phone, whatever. I didn't even, didn't even think twice about it until he showed me 
you 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 hear it today and you think, God, you're sad. And all he did was he opened up a photo and pinched to zoom on it. <laughs> That's all he did, and it was just like, what? <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. It's, there we go. You know, what What blows my mind is that I'm thinking, first of all, where is this technology going? This is just incredible. Because the next thing, you know, I mean, you've got Adobe experiencing, uh, experimenting with, you know, neural filters, for example, who already do quite, I mean, quite an amazing job in some instances. You know, you can recolor black and whites it actually does a pretty decent job. I mean, it figures out what should be skin color and, you know, and so on and so forth. It makes some interesting decisions in terms of clothing and what color it should be. It's all quite, you know, um, and, and, and so on and so forth. You just a lot of like, you know, just take, um, you know, some of the filters in Photoshop that, you know, allow you to change the size or, uh, you know, the position of, of your eyes or the width of your you know, of your jaw and all that kind of stuff. And it does it so perfectly in a sense that it takes into account everything from, you know, your jaw, not only your jawline, but also your neck and your clothing and everything else. And it's, it does it in split seconds, you know, mm. if that Dali 2 type of AI flows into apps on your phone or, you know, or into, into things like Photoshop or whatever, you know, then the question really beckons. It's like, what's the point in photography or what's the future? What, what is the future of photography? Because you don't have to go out anywhere. You can just basically say, ah, give me a picture of a Buckinghamshire countryside uh, over a field with, a, with trees in autumn. At sunrise. And there it is. It's just created for you. That's it. There's no need for you to get out anymore. Learn how to use a camera or, you know. And there's, there's other things. Actually, I'll tell you what. There were some incredible examples, actually. So there was um, there, there were some photos of some bugs, right? Some macro photography. And uh, there's a photo of of a, a bug on, I think, I believe, the, the tip of a flower or something like that. And not only is it able to edit that picture. Like for instance, you could say like, oh, you know, sharpen it, you know, bring it into focus. If it was slightly out of focus, it would do all that. That's all, you know, that seems pretty straightforward. But what it did was it gives you different angles of that image, a variety of different angles, like side on from the front, different angles. And you kind of go, yeah, but the camera wasn't there. Like, how is it doing that? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And these, and I kid you not, these photos look so photorealistic already that I, I think, you know, we have no, I mean, no concept of what, I mean, actually, no, no, we do have a concept because if you just take something like, you know, the way that technology or software has developed um, over the last 10, 15 years or something, you know, you know in 10 years time, I mean, this kind of stuff is going to be so good. Yeah, I, you know, I'd be adverse to it for to do anything actually creative because there's no longer anything that's real. But 
<laughs> but my mom says that it, to me all the time when, when yeah. she sees me when she sees me editing headshots or whatever or retouching stuff True. she goes like ah oh, it's but, all just fake isn't it it's all fake but it's, it's you doing it it's it's, it's yeah. you making creative decisions yeah. of of how that image should look um you know i guess it could be a tool there but i tell you it, it could be really good um for you know education it could be really good for filmmaking yeah. Um, you know, for, for Hollywood and you know, places like that. It mm. could be if it starts using it, being able to do it with video. Yeah. Oh, that's that's definitely gonna be the next step, isn't it? I mean that's it's always like that. You know, their ability to then produce, <clears throat> you know, whatever, you know, however they're doing their VFX and stuff like that today and take it to a whole new level. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It really is. Absolutely mind-blowing. You know, and then, of course, there's all sorts of other questions that come up when you start thinking about it. You know, what's the point in, like, where's professional photography going to go? You know, is there still a need for professional photographers? You know, it's all mm. um, in, like, 10 years' time. Is this even going to be a thing, you know? Um, are you going to be, like, headshots, take, take an example. You know, take a picture of yourself with a phone and then just basically say, well, I want it in the style of Peter Hurley. Boom, done. Fully retouched, perfectly enhanced. You know, mm. retouch level three. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> you want a bit more natural? Oh, I'll retouch. Just start it back to retouch level two. Boom, done. You know, or like, ah, oh, you know, oh, dark background, I think. Boom. Oh, let's try a blue background. Boom, done. Mm. If you think about it, I mean, there's no, you know, there's no need for anybody skilled, really, to do that. And of course, we, we already um, rely on, on machine not only machine learning, but just generally, you know, sort of uh, mechanized processes you know, in that respect, like for instance, you know, the way we remove objects in Photoshop now, you know, uh, not too many years ago, you had to like go in and clone stuff out, you know, and it was, it was much more of a manual process. Now you just basically, you know, draw a selection around it, you know, press shift, delete, boom, it's done, gone. Perfect. Yeah. You know, in fact, with a better result than, um, than you, you could achieve manually. Very yeah, often, often, yeah. you know, and that's the, that's the thing. And so it makes it, yeah. of course, it makes it a quicker process um, from a retouch's point of view. But, um, you know, it's, it's just a, it's just an interesting, it's an interesting thought, mm. you know, to see that maybe, you know, maybe we're, we're all, you know, out of a job <laughs> in 10 years time. You know, fun times. I know, <laughs> but it just really, you know, when I saw some of the results, um, and you know, I urge you, uh, you know, go on to go on to, uh, to Twitter, you know, at Dell at Delhi Two Pixel. That's um, D A double L E two number two pics, um, and uh, check out some of those images for yourself. And it is nuts. So, cool, man. Yeah, let us know. Let us know what you think. Um, my mind was a little bit blown <laughs> by that. So, yeah. does that spell? The death of photography in the future. What do you think? Don't know. Let us know. I mean, Pro probably as much as um, the digital camera did. <laughs> you know, I can imagine that when digital cameras first came around, um, that there were a lot of voices that went, oh, that's it. Game over. Photography is dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, yeah, yeah. then it just morphed. And the same thing, you know, I remember, I mean, when, when smartphones first came around and, and everybody now has got a camera in their pocket, you know, and I remember quite clearly, you know, the attitude of many people going like, well, that's it, you know, 
Yeah. That's it. It just evolves. Everything finds its place. Yeah. You know, things just get reorganized. That's all it is. Yeah. And things change, you know, and many things make our lives easier. We, you know, we talked about this a few episodes ago. Do you remember when we were talking about um, uh, whether, you know, gear is everything? Um, you know, all the gear, no idea, basically. That's, that was the thing. Um, right. You know, and of course, yeah, I mean, back in the day, just imagine like photography in the days before autofocus, you had to worry about a lot of things, you know, before you even, you know, before you could create a picture. Now we're like, when it, you know, take a camera, like, take sort of a, a consumer camera, like, you know, uh, say a Nikon <clears throat> um, 3200 or, you know, D3200, 3500, something like that, you know, basically consumer type camera. I mean, the autofocus system in that already, generally speaking, is freaking phenomenal, mm. you know, in comparison to autofocus systems in the 90s. Right. Right. Um, of course, if you compare that to, you know, a Z9 or an R5 or whatever, you know, of course, it's nowhere near that good. But, but actually, but actually, even the autofocus system in a relatively cheap um, consumer camera is still phenomenal in comparison yeah. to where technology was only 10 years ago. Absolutely. You know, so it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even your phone, you know, like the autofocus system on an iPhone is actually pretty damn good. Face recognition yeah. and all the rest of it, you know, so it's... Yeah, 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 it's it, is, it is good. It is good. Um, yeah. Speaking of gear, the C70 is back. Ooh. Yeah, um, all fixed. Is that so what's filming these, at the moment? Yep. Um, <clears throat> so the screen is now solid, more solid than it was when I first got it. Awesome. Um, it feels sturdy. They've, I don't know whether they used more substantial screws in it or whatever it was that they've done. Mm. Um, and these are all the comments that I've seen online about when they have taken them in and they've got fixed, mm. you know, done. Um, they charged me for parts but not for labor or anything like that or right. for sending it to them or sending it back to me so all in all it cost me seven pounds 99 oh wow okay yeah what well, yeah. my initial assumption was that was just for delivery back to me yeah but i got the um the note with it and they the two screws 50p and or whatever it was and a couple mm. other bits and pieces there yeah so i was quite impressed well you've had a really good customer service experience and i had a terrible one um, at this time at this time apple is not in the good books um i had a terrible terrible customer service experience with apple and i'm extremely annoyed and very frustrated uh, with them at the moment um and it's it's all got to do with um, with Logic Pro X. And uh, do you remember a little while ago, when we did one of these episodes, actually, and I was trying to launch Logic as I would normally do um, oh, to, yeah. re to record my audio, uh, my audio, and it kept crashing, right, yep. on, on launch. I'm trying to launch it, it crashes. Um, so I tried to figure out what the cause of that might be. Couldn't really find an answer on the interwebs. Um, anyway, and then used GarageBand or GarageBand um, to, uh, to record works just as fine, which incidentally is what I'm using now. Um, but then 
a couple of days ago, I kind of thought, well, I'm going to have to tackle this. I'm going to have to um, do a little bit of research. And basically, I came up with um, a number of people saying, well, you're going to basically upgrade. It's all got to do with Monterey. You know, and actually, mm-hmm. I think that probably that that timeline works. I think, you know, it's probably since I've upgraded to Monterey, that's probably when it started fading. <laughs> so uh, basically, you know, people said, oh, just um, upgrade to the latest um, Logic version, which is 10.6 or whatever it is, and it should should work fine. Okay, so off I go into the App Store to upgrade um, Logic, only to find that Logic wasn't in my App Store. And in fact, it kept asking me to pay the full purchase price again. And I'm like, well, that's wrong because mm-hmm. clearly I've already bought it and it did say it's lifetime upgrades, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, didn't didn't it come with... Your yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Purchase yes, all that time. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. So that was the thing. So basically, so off I went onto the um, you know customer chat thing with Apple, and you know, and then it went like, oh, okay, well, you have to talk to uh, an advisor. So anyway, got on the phone. You know, they called me, talked to an advisor. Um, then it was like, oh, you have to speak to. That's not. Uh, that's going to do with us. You need to speak to technical advisors today. Passed me, patched me through to a different department and went, oh, no, that's too specialist. You need to talk to um, the creative media team. Uh, patched me through that. Uh, anyway, they then uh, sent me back to after sales and so on uh-huh. so forth. And, you know, and the thing was, it basically was, it went like, okay, um, we need to verify your identity. So they sent me a thing to my phone. I click verify. Cool. Then go, <laughs> That sneeze is staying in. <laughs> um, so um, then it was like, uh, do you have the original purchase receipt for the MacBook Pro? They were like, well, that was 10 years ago. So probably not. So first of all, then they couldn't find the original purchase receipt in, in their records because they only keep stuff for 10 years, right? Um, so then eventually some other department found it. They sent it to me. Then I had to, they actually sent the actual thing to me. And then they went like, oh, you have to verify it. Um, so what was the phone number? Um, but first of all, what was the address? Okay. So I'm like, okay, well, I, I think I still remember the address where I lived at 10 years ago. Fine. Then it's like, oh, what were the last three numbers of the phone number that you used um, when you bought this? And it only had the last two digits. Everything else was like start out. And I'm like, I have no idea. I mean, this is 10 years ago. Yeah. I've had four different numbers or whatever since then. I have no idea what my number was, right? Um, you know, it says like four, two or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, well, we need to last three numbers. And I'm like, you know, so I'm looking at my computer. I'm like, I, I can't tell you. I have no idea. I don't know. It's like 10 years ago. You know, so, so I'm like, okay, was it zero, four, two? No. Was it one, four, two? No. Was it two, four, two? No. Was it three, <laughs> four? And, you know, um, and and so it went on, and I just went like, oh, you know, and eventually I said like, look, I mean, you've actually sent me the, you know, a copy of the document. I've got it in front of me, and you just won't verify it because I can't, for the life of me, remember a phone number that I had ten years ago. It's, I mean, you you know, you verified my identity through my phone. I've given you all the other details. And 
And th- I mean, and this is the sticking point. This is somewhat ridiculous to me, you know. Anyway, so she went back to her supervisor, came back, and I thought, well, really sorry, but that's our process. Nothing we can do. And I'm like, okay, well, it still leaves me with the software that I've actually bought and it isn't working. So then it patched me through to yet another department. Um, and this, in fact, was the, I think, the creative media department or something like that. And then, you know, I said to the guy, well, you know, it works fine on my MacBook Pro, which is now 10 years old, and it, it's on Catalina and it works fine. Um, but clearly on, uh, on, on, on my iMac, Monterey, it doesn't. And he goes, like, oh, did you buy, um, did you buy an educational version? I'm like, no, it came pre-installed on the, on the MacBook. So he goes, like, he looked in the, in the app store. He goes, like, well, it's not in your app store. I was like, I realized that, you know, that's part of the problem. And he goes, like, well, the only way that it, that it wasn't in your, it, that it is not in your app store is probably because it was uh, manually put onto your MacBook when you first bought it. I'm like, well, I mean, which could have could be true. It could be true, then. but also not my problem. Do you know what I mean? No, I mean I bought the thing. That's it. Um, so anyway, so it turns out that apparently with Logic Pro or Logic Pro X, when um, when it switched to Monterey, um, they upgraded, they changed Logic Pro to now work on an eight bit system rather than a four bit system, and at that point, apparently, they're asking me to pay the full purchase price again. So far from having lifetime upgrades, there clearly is a cutoff point. The guy even said to me, oh, well, you, you're going to have to purchase it again. Um, there's no other way around that. And, you know, it might be, you know, you might be able to use it then for another 10 years. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, and he goes like, oh, I have an alternative solution for you. And I'm like, what's that? And he goes like, do you have a time machine backup of your old operating system? I'm like, well, probably do. It's like, well, you could basically revert your iMac back to Catalina and then you can use Logic again. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, what's yeah. the point? I mean, what's the point? Shouldn't shouldn't have to. No, exactly. The, so then you're missing out on all the security features that yeah. the new OS has got. That's, I shouldn't really advise that. So but. extremely, extremely um, unsatisfactory outcome mm. there. And literally it's nothing there. So what are you, you going to do? Um, I'm going to use GarageBand or GarageBand. I've screwed logic. I mean, I, you know, I yeah. really don't. I mean, first of all, out of principle, I really don't think that I should be paying the full purchase price again. And then no, also, you know, also I don't use it often enough um, for, for, no. for to warrant that, you know. Nine I mean, times out of 10, it's going to be doing single voice audio, right? Exactly what Trust we're doing. Trust me, yeah. GarageBand's fine. Yeah, absolutely. You, any processing, I'll generally do for you anyway um and even if you even if you do it yourself there's enough in there to do some basic stuff and that's all generally you're probably going to need and if there's anything more complex than that yeah that's what i have a room full of stuff to do (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah it's just it's just so frustrating really you know when um when you kind of think well this this can't be this can't be this difficult (laughs) you know and yet i spent a good three hours on the phone the other day trying to sort this out, you know, um, it's extremely frustrating. It just reminded me very much of my experience with bureaucracy in Germany, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, and I said, I would never mm. actually, I said, I would never, ever, uh, complain again about bureaucracy in the UK. But of course I spoke to people who were clearly not in the UK, you know, they were all over the place. Yeah. So yeah, whatever. I mean, it's not, you know, that's got nothing to do with anything, but oh, well. it was a really, 
um, a very negative customer service um, experience. Well, my Canon experience wasn't all wasn't a hundred percent positive. Hmm. It it took longer than I anticipated it for it to be fixed, and I had to chase them, saying what's going on. Said, oh, it's not entered in yet. Oh, but I send a message and. and it, it got it moving and that's fine, whatever. That's relatively normal, I guess. But when I got it back, you know, you know on the, the side of the C70, like most cameras, there's mm. little rubbery plastic like lids, if you like, or caps that go over your USB port, HDMI port, headphone port, all of those kind of caps. The one for the USB port was missing. Right. Looked through the box, I phoned them, said, uh, or, or I said, brilliant. On sleep, you fix. Superb. Love it. Mm. Unfortunately, it does look like this has been lost in the process. Um, what 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 can we what can we do about that? And they said, we've actually spoken to the guy who did your fix, and I'm guessing it's one of the only C70s that's come in recently. Mm. He said he he clearly remembers it not being there uh, yeah. when he connected it, because he connected it out via USB at the same time mm. to do some of the things or whatever they do. I said, all right, okay, I'm pretty sure it was there. But then after I got off the I said, look, I'll, I'll check around here just in case I've, I have misplaced it and uh, beforehand it's come off here. Um, I'll check and I'll, I'll call you back. He said, great, fine. Um, so I've, I did that and then, and then obviously I've forgotten to follow up on it again. But now it's got me doubting myself because I do remember something catching somewhere at some point and now i've got a feeling maybe i did lose it and i think it happened yeah. when i was using a gimbal with it because i connect the usb c to the gimbal oh okay <clears throat> and now i've just got this funny feeling and maybe it was me yeah. and that maybe i my uh trusting canon was mis you know I, I got that you know my mistrust was uh misplaced no so yeah yeah I, I don't know we'll see it's not a big deal but yeah. i'll see if i can just get another one i may phone them up and say, can you order me a spare i'll, I'll pay for it but yeah I'd, I'd like it to be complete i'd like it to be there because it just gets crap in it and yeah yeah sure all sorts you know uh, yeah. yeah but yeah um oh one other change this week is and i only got it through today funnily enough um and it's actually on my lens right now I got a new mist filter for right. today. So for a while, I've been using a an eighth mist filter. So it's very low. It doesn't. It, it does, trust me. It really does have an effect, mm -hmm. but it's not. It's not noticeable. It's just enough to, you know, it smooths out the image a little bit, particularly skin. It mm -hmm. blooms the highlights just, just a smidge. Mm. And that's great. But I've got to order myself um a, a quarter as well so it's twice as strong mm -hmm. which then would allow me the ability to put the eighth on top of that as well right and you, you know so more strength um and the quarter is what's on here right now i haven't tested this <laughs> so that means you're all misty whilst i'm nice and sharp I, i've just put it on <laughs> and i'm just going with it because i've got faith in it because right. I, I i i did a little just a little earlier today i was just i was just in front of the tv actually funnily mm. enough at the time and i thought it's just you know what, let me just grab my camera i grabbed the c70 and just pointed at the tv all right zoomed in so the tv was taking up the whole screen on my mm. on my camera and i looked before 
and I got the eighth and I didn't screw it on. I just put it in front mm. just to see on the back of just on the LCD, what it was doing. Then I got the quarter and did the same thing. Then I put them together and mm. did the same thing. I liked what it was doing. <laughs> I really liked what it was doing. <clears throat> so, um, you know, and obviously in this setup, it's, you know, it's, it's lit well. There's no, there's nothing that's hitting the the top yeah. end of uh, Mari or an exposure or anything like that. So, yeah. you know, it, it will do what it's going to do, but I'm quite interested to uh, yeah. see. I'll tell you what I'm going to do at this point in the video. I'm, I'm going to do it afterwards, but I'm going to take the eighth off. I'm going to, Put the quarter. Uh, sorry, I'm going to take the quarter off. I'm going to put the eighth on, and I'm going to take the eighth off and just do it with no filter whatsoever. And I'm going to put them side by side in this video real quick. That's a good idea. Right now. <laughs> cool. Now I haven't seen those results, but <laughs> there you go. That's what they all look like in this yeah. setup. <laughs> well, well. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, um, you know, next week we're actually going to be in the same room. Um, but uh, who knows? Because my wife, unfortunately, is down with COVID and she's self-isolating in a spare bedroom upstairs. So who knows what's mm. going to happen next week? Um, but yeah. Double COVID for her. There we are. <laughs> so far, I'm fine. Yeah, man. But you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But you but you are coughing. Yeah, but the, I mean, you know, to be fair, actually, there's, there's been so there's so many colds going around. Like in my... Um, yeah, my youngest, my youngest daughter had a cold over the weekend, which wasn't COVID, you know. Um, yeah. So, but she's picked up at school, so it's you know, it's, it's easy to get carried away thinking you've got it at the minute. Um, so I, I just don't <coughs> think about it unless I'm feeling rough. I have, I've done the odd test here and there, yeah, for months now, um, just in case because I, I, I think it's in, still important for me to know if I've got if I do happen to have it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Then, I mean, then, I, then I can make the choice as to what I'm doing, and yeah. that choice will be to limit my contact with people. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and that's, that's that. You know, simple as a simple as a, that's that's as, the thing. As it gets really. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have that many that much contact with people at the moment, anyway, or, or at least not over the next uh, few days. So it'll be mm. it'll be fine, and we'll see see when the weekend comes along. You know, we'll see what happens. There's a number yeah. of. Um, there's a number of shoots actually coming up. Um, Busy weekend, list. right? I've got a uh, weekends. So Sunday, Monday, really, really busy with mm. with shoots that we're doing. But I'm, I've got like three gigs this weekend as well. Um, yeah. So I've got a, a Thursday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. No, oh, wow! Okay. This week, which is oh, oh. hey, I had I'm too tired. I actually, I had a gig last Saturday, and I have another gig this Saturday coming. So. That's quite, for me, that's a lot Blimey. of gigs. <laughs> I know. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. You're going to break a string now. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking, actually. Ooh, maybe I shouldn't change strings. And then I kind of thought, nah, I'll forget about it. Which reminds me, I need to change mine. And on that bombshell, we have come to the end of Camera Tech Podcast episode 111. And be reminded that if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, be reminded that there is a YouTube version available too on youtube.com forward slash camera shake um, where you can not only listen to our sultry voices but you can see us in full technicolor over there on YouTube and whilst you're there leave us a comment um, you know hit the like and subscribe button because that would make a massive difference to us um, likewise 
you know, follow us on uh, on Facebook. We have a group on Facebook. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Get in touch on Twitter or on TikTok. That's Indeed. it. Episode 111 in the can. See you next week. See you later.